0: Hello, and welcome to Across the States. I'm your host, Matt Fisher, and joining me today is Jonathan Williams, Chief Economist and Executive Vice President of Policy here at ALEC, and Lee Schultz, Senior Director of the Center for State Fiscal Reform at ALEC. Jonathan Lee, welcome to Across the States. How are you guys doing today?
1: Well, doing great. Thanks for having us to discuss this uh, really exciting topic.
0: Yeah, happy to talk about property taxes with you today. I'm looking forward to this podcast, talking with you guys about it. So, Let's kick things off. We all know about property tax. All of us, unfortunately, to some extent, have to deal with it. It's the constant reminder. But before we get into the details of the recent enactment of the bipartisan property tax reform in Kansas, let's delve a bit into the background of the bill uh, and the property tax in general. We all know how property tax works, but what have been some of the unintended negative economic consequences of a property tax on American households? Jonathan, let's start off with you. What's your answer to that?
1: Well, when it comes to property taxes, you look at public polling, and this is goes way back in terms of this being accurate. Uh, property taxes are consistently one of the most hated taxes in America, and obviously that's a that's a pretty uh, robust group of taxes that people don't like to pay. Property taxes are generally near the top of that list, if not at the top of America's most hated tax. And one of the reasons why is I think it's uh, it's very damaging, obviously, to those that uh, perhaps live on fixed incomes and they're kicked out of their homes in many cases because they can't afford their property tax bills. Uh, or it's a uh, you know a lot of when you look at the polling of it, it's because property taxes are very, uh, in a way, transparent taxes. People see the cost of government. Uh, They recognize what it means to uh, pay for the cost of services. And and these are local taxes, let's not forget. Sometimes states levy a a minor property tax, but these by and large are levied by cities and counties to pay for services like education and roads and, and, uh, and things like that. And so, Property taxes are an interesting equation when it gets out there, as we are going to get to as we talk through this, I think, great model of truth in taxation and what it means to be to really address property taxes well. But they are among America's most hated taxes and for very good reason.
0: So Lee, usually taxpayers can go online and figure out what percentage they owe in income tax and sales tax on each purchase. Like when I moved here to Virginia, I figured out online fairly quickly about a rough estimate of how much I'd owe in taxes if I moved to this area. But when it comes to property taxation in many states, it's not so simple. Why is it that in so many parts of the country, there's very little transparency on the property tax equation?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of issues at play here. And, you know, depending on where you live, let's say your local government, they're taxing your property at a certain rate. But one year, they do a valuation of your home and they decide, you know, in order to, maybe this is their tactic to collect more in property tax revenue. They decide to value your home at a significantly higher rate than the previous year. Well, even if your property tax rate remains the same, if your home is, if they deem it to be priced or valued higher you're going to end up paying more out of pocket in your property tax bill. And so you know sometimes what you might see is if you do pay attention to local elections and local politics, and not everybody does, you might see local officials campaigning on the fact that they kept property taxes in check because they didn't raise the rate. But what the hidden story that is often untold is that valuations go up. And so just keeping the rate the same doesn't mean that property taxes are staying low. People get hit with higher property tax bills year after year. And like Jonathan said, this can lead to people all but getting or even getting priced out of their homes, you know, being unable to afford a home that they've lived in for decades.
0: Yeah, it's so complex and confusing. Now, over the last few years, Jonathan, we have seen several legislative efforts to reform the property tax Come to fruition now as far back as 1985 the state of utah enacted changes that would eventually inspire the alec policy model but what can you tell us about these experiments in property tax reform and what were the results
1: Well, across the states, uh, across our laboratories of democracy, we've seen lots of different ways that states have tried to tackle this issue. And as I mentioned at the onset, this is by and large a local driven spending issue and a property tax collection issue. And so when states weigh into this complicated equation, sometimes they can get it very right and sometimes they can get it very wrong. And let me start with how they've gotten it wrong first. And when you look at, let's say, the 11 states have adopted a personal income tax over the last 50 years, um, almost to a state, they have done so in order to try to buy down local property taxes. And the state tries to get involved. They see the political pressure because these are unpopular taxes. People come to the state level, uh, sometimes misdirecting their anger at the state level when they actually should be talking to their local elected officials about these property tax burdens. And fast forward a few decades, and we have a whole lot higher income taxes or sales taxes as a result. And if you don't get to the root of the problem, which is the overspending issue by local units of government, we don't solve the property tax burden problem. So uh, fast forward to the discussion today around the ALEC model, around Utah's model, as you mentioned, and around uh, what Kansas just passed, which I think is the new gold standard really for the country when it comes to a free market way to dealing with property tax burdens, and that is truth in taxation. And what do I mean by saying truth in taxation? It, in a way, uh, gets to the, uh, the issue that Lee was talking about. Uh, there's a couple of different pieces to the property tax equation. One is your property tax rate, and one is the property tax assessment, the assessment of the valuation of your property. And many times there's a little uh, dishonesty that happens in some uh, local units of government that would like to say, hey, we held the line and we didn't raise your property tax rate. And you look at your bill versus the year before and you realize that your property taxes went up and you wonder what just happened there. It's because they've actually raised your property taxes through the assessment process of your property. So just because your property is assessed at 15% more than it was the year before, doesn't mean your property tax bill should automatically go up by 15%, as our our member, uh, former Senator Howard Stevenson of Utah would like to say. And so it's a it's a very complicated uh, piece of how to solve that. But I think truth in taxation, the policy, which is it allows governments to raise property tax revenue if there's a real need. But all it does is it really asks for transparency, accountability, and some honesty as part of this process. So if a local government wants to raise your property tax burden on net. Uh, all it has to do is inform voters in the district and send out a, a mailing to uh, those that are affected by the property tax increase, have a public hearing and have real public discourse around this discussion. And it's a, it's a huge discussion in a lot of local areas as to what's the right form of government, what's the right level of government spending. And then finally, and perhaps most importantly, Matt, it's that local units of government need to take recorded votes in order to take the extra revenue revenue above what would be allowed under the truth and taxation so there's real accountability to say all right we want to spend more than last year and we're going to go on record and say if there's a real need to do that uh, the state's not going to limit us from doing that uh, but we're going to have go on record and say we support higher spending or higher taxes and then voters get to decide if they like to support candidates who believe in smaller government or larger government
0: and so to go off what you just said there Jonathan turning to you Valley. This truth in taxation reform plan that was passed in Kansas, overwhelmingly bipartisan bill, signed into law by Democratic governor. What does this truth and taxation plan mean for Kansas households? How will it impact their economy going forward? Building off what Jonathan just said.
2: Well, one thing it does, and I'll and I'll borrow a phrase from our good friend Dave Trobert, the president of the Kansas Policy Institute. But it closes that honesty gap that Jonathan was describing. And in practice, what will happen if you live in Kansas, if there's a proposal that would cause you to pay a dollar more, right, just $1 more, let's say, on your property tax bill, you're going to receive a notice in the mail with that dollar amount and an explanation of why you'll be paying more. And then you'll be given a date of a public hearing when you'll be able to go in person And voice your concerns. If you show up in person, you'll be guaranteed a time slot to share, you know, why let's say you're against the property tax increase, or maybe you're in supportive of it. Maybe you think it's a a good use of government dollars. Maybe there's a project that you're passionate about. You know, our friend Howard Stevenson, one of the architects of the Utah legislation, he said it himself, you know, truth in taxation, we're not opposed to all property tax increases but it does have a byproduct of adding that transparency and that accountability. And many proposals are defeated as a result just because you're adding that extra element of transparency. And so getting back to Kansas, you'd have a chance to go and speak out in person and then your local officials would have to take a public vote at that hearing. And so you can imagine, If a lot of people showed up to complain or voice their concerns and you've got to kind of face them as their their local representative, uh, you might think twice about how you vote on a property tax increase. Uh, And obviously, when when people have more money in their pockets because governments are being more efficient with their tax dollars that they already collect, citizens are able to save, they're able to invest, and it really can benefit a local economy as a whole.
1: And Matt, just to double down on what Lee said there and what you alluded to on the partisan breakdown in Kansas, I mean, in this divisive political age in which we live today, uh, to see a vote as lopsided as the one that we saw in the Kansas House and Kansas Senate, where only a handful of members in the entire legislative body voted against this ALEC model, truth and taxation, it was then signed into law by Governor Laura Kelly, who had vetoed it last session, uh, but seemed to, uh, you know, see the benefits of it this year, and it's Just an amazing uh, outcome of Republicans and Democrats coming together, realizing the need for real transparency and accountability, and to have a a real solution here based on ALEC ideas, uh, based on Utah's example. Just
0: an incredible, incredible outcome in this day and age. Yeah, more efficiency, more transparency and accountability, and more money in the pockets of taxpayers. Before we go, a quick message from ALEC concerning an exciting event coming this summer, happens every year, a quick message courtesy of ALEC. This July, join the American Legislative Exchange Council for its annual meeting in beautiful Salt Lake City. Join fellow thought leaders, listen to exciting speakers, and take part in building a better future for America. For more information and to register, go to alec.org slash saltlake. We'll see you in person in Utah. So before we go, what are some additional ways that state lawmakers can reform property tax? What else is being explored on the state level to alleviate the tax burden reform property taxation, and create a better market for households?
1: Well, there's a couple of things, I think, to point to in addition to this. And I really think, uh, Matt, that this is the real free market model of how to properly balance the, the delicate needs between local units of government and the state in this issue of property taxes with truth in taxation. Um, However, for those that want to get to the root of the issue a little bit more directly in terms of the overspending problem that leads to property taxes, because taxes and spending are two sides of the same fiscal coin, whether you're looking at the state level or the local level, it's only here in Washington that we don't balance our budgets and we continue to rack up national debt in the tens of trillions now. And so I think that one item that you you could point towards is something like Colorado, where They have uh, had in their state constitution for now more than 25 years a taxpayer's bill of rights to protect the rate of growth uh, of spending to make sure it doesn't get out of whack with the economy. They allow government to grow, but they put a constitutional limit on how quickly it can grow. So it cannot grow faster than population and inflation, for instance, in Colorado with their constitutional amendment. I know there's a lot of discussion around other states adopting this and local units of government because this is one of those ideas that actually Tabor, the Taxpayer Bill of Rights in Colorado, started in Colorado Springs as a local ordinance before going into the state constitution. So that's another way, I think, to get to the root of the overspending problem. There are ways to institute these kind of institutional spending controls that absolutely uh, would
2: help uh, control property tax burdens going forward as well. Yeah, and I'll just add on to that by saying that. There are many reasons why Utah ranks number one in every edition of our publication, Rich States, Poor States. But one of those reasons is its property tax burden. And, you know, as we've pointed out, since Truth in Taxation was implemented in Utah, you know, back then, Utah had the 24th lowest property tax burden in the nation. Today, that's closer to around 14th lowest in the country. And so, you know, it's clear that this is working and doing so by increasing accountability, increasing transparency. It's really, I think, a huge plus, a huge positive to see other states adopting it. And it'll be really, I think, really interesting to see how it plays out in Kansas to see if they're going to experience similar success to Utah. I know other states are considering their own truth and taxation proposals And this is exactly why at ALEC, our our Tax and Fiscal Policy Task Force, we approved as a task force our statement of principles on truth in taxation. And then we actually have a model, uh, the Truth in Taxation Act, which was approved uh, later last year. And so it's going to be really exciting to watch what's hopefully a wave of uh, truth in
0: taxation reforms around the country. Awesome. Thank you guys for coming on today and for talking about this incredible issue that's affecting so many Americans, the changes that are being made in the state level. Jonathan Lee, thank you.
2: Thanks, Matt. Great to join you. Thanks
0: for having us. And again, thank you for coming on today. And thank you for our listeners for tuning in. I'm Matt Fisher, and be sure to tune in later for more Across the States.
1: Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at AlecStates. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.